Hey guys, this is the mentor session for week four with Rachel Andrew. Enjoy. Let's get down to business. <laughs> so welcome, Rachel, and thank you for joining us. I'll give you uh, a little background where we are now in uh, the side project accelerator. Mm -hmm. So this is the beginning of week four. Uh, we have uh, 14 members. They're the, it started out like this. Each week they're getting a new lesson. So they've been setting up their blogs, starting to write, setting up their email lists and MailChimp. Now they're getting into um, doing things to like uh, engage their users, like creating content upgrades to uh, drive subscribers to their list. That's where they're at now. They're, they're overwhelmed. They're working a lot. And uh, they're excited to hear from you. In uh, the Crowdcast, basically what we do is we, we just uh, we have questions below that they can upvote. The users are all over the world, so they're all in different time zones. So most of them actually are viewing the recording of this, and we turn the, the uh, recording also into a podcast so they can consume it that way, and uh, are just re are listening when it's uh, convenient for them. So they've submitted some questions already and asked us to ask you questions, and that's it. And we'll just have like a casual conversation about you, your side projects, and your kind of uh, journey to get here today. <laughs> you want to start with, uh, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and give us your background? Uh, yeah, I've, I'm a web developer. I've been a web developer for a long time, uh, since about 96, something like that. So, um, yeah, I've been doing this for ages. I have been self-employed since 2001. Um, I was working for kind of dot-com companies and through the sort of dot-com crash and decided that I would uh, set up on my own. It was probably more stable. So I've been self-employed since then. Um, and I was doing really web development for really for design agencies mostly. So they would design things and then chuck it over the fence and we'd build it. And that was what we did until we launched Perch, really. Cool. cool. And so Perch started out as your side project, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? How were you how did you first start working on Perch? Um, well we needed something that was a kind of a lightweight solution for the customers we were working with, the clients we were working with, who we were building large-scale content management system stuff. And they tended to be design agencies, and they'd have small projects too. So it was when they were saying to us, well, what can you recommend that's a small, lightweight thing but works kind of in the same way to your big framework? And there wasn't anything to recommend, so we thought we'd build it. Uh, Wait, so it really was... At, what were you using at the we, time before, they were, before there was any solution? Um, well, we'd often end up building like little scrappy things for them to do that kind of editing, you know, just sort of like something that would let them edit on their homepage, you know, the news on the homepage or something. They didn't want to install a full solution. So we'd kind of end up keeping building these small things. Um, and we figured there was a space for something that was a bit, you know, a bit more of a product something that could just be dropped in and perhaps even that they could do themselves rather than asking us to do. Okay, so you were working in the web design agency and basically part of the, the requirements for the project was to give the client some way to edit the website that you were building or something to do after you were yeah. working. Yeah, I mean, it, was, it tended to be the situation where they'd build a website that was completely static and then the client would say, oh, I just want to be able to edit that bit of text on the homepage or I just want to be able to update my about page. And they didn't want to have to rebuild the whole thing in a CMS. They just wanted something small. And that's really where Perch came from. Mm -hmm. Cool. Very cool. So totally the needs of the client. Yeah, okay, absolutely. So, yeah. So can you walk us through? So you, I guess you had this problem a few times, and you realized there was a need for some uh, 
a, a smaller lightweight CMS solution. So how did it begin that you started working on it as a product? Um, well, as soon as we started building it, we were like, oh, well, this could be a standalone thing. It doesn't need us to implement it, you know. Um, so that was sort of an interesting thought. And then so we just thought, well, let's let's try it. Let's try building it as if it's completely standalone and see if anyone wants to buy it as a, as a thing like that. So we, we had no ex we had no kind of experience in products. We were completely just web developers who built things that people asked to be built, you know, <laughs> um, mm. as, as, as a project. So we didn't really know what we were doing or anything. It was just like, well, we'll see if it works. You know? yeah. And how was that different? Starting to build, you know, a product and market it and, and do uh, something that wasn't just client work. Um, I don't think we realized how much other stuff we'd have to do. Because like the product is a tiny, tiny part of selling something. And especially then, because it was before you had things like Stripe. And so we had to build an entire way to actually sell the thing and to license the thing. And, oh, wow. you know, building all the docs and, and all that sort of stuff. Because, you know, there wasn't, there's an awful lot more stuff now that lets you sell something online than there was. Um, you know, when we launched Perch, it was, it was before all of that. So there was kind of quite a lot of stuff we had to do as well as develop the product, which we were quite surprised about. And then, of course, there's all the documentation and there's the support and marketing the thing. You know, we had no idea yeah. about that because we didn't, you know, we didn't market our services. We just kind of got, you know, got one job and then someone would refer us to somebody else and would get another job. You know, we never really had to advertise or anything. So that was a, you know, that made a big change that we were having to actually think about, well, how do we market something? Okay. So how did you decide to market it? <laughs> um, well, to start with, just, just sort of like via our networks, really, you know, we, uh, both, both myself and, and Drew, my, my husband and business partner, were sort of fairly well known on, on the internet for web standards type things and stuff. So we started by just telling people what we were doing um and saying oh, we're doing this this cms it's going to support really good front-end development you know would you be interested um and talking about it and so that was really where we got started was just sort of sharing what we were doing with your own and, audience your own yeah with our own audience and and just talking to people about it um and we were surprised so, that people were actually quite excited about the idea which was which was pretty cool so let's take a step back actually so uh you you said you mentioned that you've been uh, a web developer since '96, and you have been. I, I guess what time did you start writing about your experiences and sharing, and blogging, and creating? Uh, this stuff? <laughs> um, probably around 2000 or so. But I mean, even before then, I I kind of learned how to do this stuff because I um, I come from a theatre background. I'm an ex dancer, and then I was working backstage. And when I was pregnant with my daughter. Uh, I ended up with this computer and uh, sort of poking around. Trying to, I, I managed to get it online and I found other young people who had children and were having children because I didn't know anyone who was going to be a mum. I mean, I was, I was 21 when I was pregnant with my daughter. And I didn't know anyone, you know. <laughs> was like, so I was using the internet just to get information and to chat to people on forums. And everyone there was also building websites because there was no Facebook or Flickr or anywhere to put your pictures. So if you wanted to share your baby photos, you had to build a website. So we were all teaching each other HTML. Um, you know, we'd figure something out and we'd share it. So right from the very start, as I learned something, I was sharing it with other people. So the more I learned, I just carried on writing about this stuff and 
and saying, well, you know, oh, I've figured out how to do this, that this might be useful to someone else. And that's really what I've always done. So I think I formally started writing in about 2000, but I've always, ever since I first started writing a line of HTML, I've been sharing it with other people. This is so cool because it touches on, you, you basically touched on two things that we're really trying to teach in the program. Uh, one of them is we call it kind of a giver taker mentality that you should be trying to first give to people and give them value and before you try to take mm -hmm. something from them. So you, you, I don't know if you, if it was even, uh, were you doing this consciously or this is just kind of like your own good nature and who, who you wanted to be that you were just um, wanted to share your experiences and help other people uh, before you had any sort of product or something to sell them. It just seemed to be that was kind of the way the web worked, you know, that like no one, no one knew how to do any of this stuff like for a long time. <laughs> so it was, it really was just like the person who was two steps ahead would be teaching the person who was two steps behind. Um, and actually I think it's still like that a lot of the time. There's huge amounts of stuff where there aren't really any experts. There are people who've just figured out that, that thing. Um, you know, there are bits of CSS that I know really, really well, and I can share that, but there's other bits of CSS I hardly know anything about, you know, and I mm. look to somebody else and say, you know, I don't know this. Can you can you explain it to me? And that's kind of the way the, the web works. We're all just learning about new stuff and and it's kind of passing that around. And so that just seemed to be the way things were. And so it, it seemed the right thing to do. Cool. So, okay, so what forums were, or what mediums were good for you to share? You had your own blog or where were you kind of sharing your experiences? Uh, I mean, initially it was things like the online forums and Usenet and so on. Um, I mean... By the time we launched Perch, I had a sort of fairly established blog of my own um, and was also sort of active on various different places and obviously on Twitter. And I was, you know, I was a fairly early adopter of Twitter, um, which was around by the time we launched Perch. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's always just been where the people are, you know, where where other people are. I'll, I'll be there, you know, I'll join Slack teams now because there's people there, um, whatever, really. Is there anywhere else you're joining today that you... Like you said, as an early adopter of Twitter, something that you're kind of like uh, trying to be an early adopter of now. Uh, I'm not, not so much. I'm not really consciously that. It's just that it tends to be that we well, you know what it's like. The web community all moves on to the next hot thing, and so we all just go there because that's where everybody is. Um, I, I, I kind of miss the early days of Twitter when it was just nerds. Um, but <laughs> but then then again, I was very sad when all the normal people joined Usenet. So. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. Okay, so uh, so what I want to get into is basically how you're using this the audience that you've built uh, over the years and actually able to to monetize and, and make a living off of um, like your marketing through it. Uh, so can you touch on that a little bit? What you're thinking about as you're marketing your products and maybe other ways you're monetizing through your audience? Yeah, I, I I'm not not convinced. Um amazing at doing it i'm always someone who is happy to give stuff away for free and i always have to remember that no actually you know you, you do need to also make a living out of this stuff and i i do a huge amount of stuff for free you know i mean things i do for the css working group i mean that's completely voluntary even if i have to fly to a meeting or whatever um and that you know the time i spend ev every week on on the telecons and things and then a lot of the writing i do is i do that for free i just do that um so it's kind of you getting like the balance between or? Yeah, well, and, and just even writing on my own blog, you know, figuring something out and just writing it up. Um, and 
generally helping out people who email me and things. So mm-hmm. I think you kind of, you know, I'm very happy to volunteer some of my time and skills to help other people do this stuff um, because I know other people help me out too. But I think that we do have to, as a community, be willing to say there is value in this stuff that I know and I know how to do because otherwise we start to see people. And I guess as I'm getting older and I, I realize that, that I, you know, I can't be working like this forever. Um, you know, we do need to actually make money for this stuff. And there are various cases where we're seeing people who are getting to a point they can't work, but they've not really stored up anything for themselves while they've been giving back so much to the community. And so I think, you know, it, I've written about it in the past, but I think it is worth people thinking about how they actually make money out of their skills as well as doing great open source stuff and whatever. Um, so, yeah, so I try and find ways to to really to fund the stuff that I'm doing, you know, so, so for instance, I've got a CSS course that I do online. I do in-person workshops and that stuff really just helps me fund the voluntary stuff I do as much as anything. Um, so I, you know, I'll try and I, I certainly don't feel bad about if someone's reading an article of mine that I've published for free, sticking an ad on the bottom of that for something I'm doing, which is paid, you know? And, and mm-hmm. so that, that's the kind of stuff I do is, you know, I don't go out there shouting about my stuff that much, but I will make sure I link to it and make sure I tell people about it. Cool. Okay. Actually, uh, we have a question here about the CSS course that you're doing. So uh, can you tell us a little bit more about it? Uh, so really that came from, I've been doing these in-person workshops. And I've got an absolute ton of material, which is all written up. Um, mm-hmm. And but there's only so many of those live workshops I can do and I can't do them in various places without great hassle. You know, like I want to go to America and do a workshop then I've got to sort out visas and it's an absolute pain. I'd have to be earning an awful lot to make it worthwhile me going and doing that. Um, so, so other than that, I thought, well, what can I do with this material? And so that's why I did the online thing. And also I was getting sort of an email a week from someone saying, oh, I'd love to be able to do your workshop, but I'm in America and you're doing it in the UK. Or, you know. <laughs> so I thought, well, let's put this. So I've got the material and I'm updating the material all the time. So I keep the whole lot in track. So I've got people doing it online. Um, and then I obviously go and do a workshop. Um, I did, I did um, a workshop in Australia recently and wrote a new bunch of stuff, which I'm then sort of recording and putting out into the online course as well. So it, it's kind of a way just to repurpose and use that material in another way, um, which I'm creating anyway, because I've got, you know, I've got people who want me to do these workshops. Very cool. So, okay. So specifically the workshop, how, how would you say you're marketing it just through the blog linking or anything? Yeah. Else at, at the moment. Um, I mean, I've not had a huge amount of time to do any, major push of marketing i sort of put it all online um, i actually put it online at the same time as we were launching our shop add-on for perch so it's all built using perch shop um, actually a beta version of perch shop before we launched it so not only was i launching the course I, we were also launching this enormous add-on for our software so <laughs> so the course really t- takes a back seat to, to perch i mean that's our, our main thing that we do is, is perch really um so yeah i'm, I'm hoping we're we're actually busy doing a the, the sort of next version of Perch has got a big UI update in it, which I'm working on. And I think after I've sort of shipped that, I'll probably go back to the course and do some actual more sort of formal marketing of that. But I mean, okay. you know, I get, I get, you know, a few people a week sign up for the course um, just via people who read something of mine and come through, or I've had, you know, a, a couple of companies have signed up a whole bunch of people, um, which is great. Cool. 
So, yeah, cool. so it, it, it sort of ticks along quite nicely. And as I say, it's just another way to use that content. If you're already creating stuff for one thing, if there's a way you can reuse it or use it in a different way, that's, that's just a really great idea generally. That's awesome. Cool. Um, so it's, a, it's kind of like an evergreen workshop. The, um, the material is, is available all the time. It's not like a, a specific yeah. period of time. Mm -hmm. And yeah. can you talk about uh, how you chose to price it and, and what it's priced at now? Um, I, so I, I priced it at, at 199 I think, yes. Um, <laughs> so um, I basically thought of, well, the in-person workshops tend to be around $400, something like that, is about what they'll charge for, for a, a seat at a workshop. It might be a bit more or a bit less, depending on whether it's tied to a conference or, or something. Um, and obviously, there's a real benefit to coming and spending a day with someone and being able to ask all your questions and things. Mm -hmm. um, so, and but also, it's about making it a bit more accessible. I think that's quite a high price for for online material. Um, and so, I sort of try to think of well, what's a sort of middle balance between just what you charge for, say, an ebook, and what you charge for an in-person kind of workshop. Um, and yeah, it seems to work. And I'll I'll do discounts for when when companies sign up teams. I'll do a discount for them and things uh, if they're signing up a bunch of members. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but it's, uh, pricing's really hard. <laughs> pricing's yeah. really really hard. And if you know, um, there's quite a wide target audience for something like this workshop. You know, in terms of companies that might sign up down to freelancers. Um, so I think if, if you're a bit more targeted with who you're going for as your, as your audience, it's a bit easier to say, well, what would this audience pay for this thing? Um, as it, the, the workshop's quite a wide, uh, sort of broad appeal, really. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, definitely when you're selling something to companies that you can essentially charge more for it. And when you're selling it to a freelancer, you really want to make it accessible for them. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so it, um, can, you said you had a few signups a week on it. Is it mostly, is this passive for you at the time or is it requiring a, a significant amount of work or it's just kind of like um, a kind of passive income rolling in for you? I, well, I'm, I say I'm already working on the material. I mean, a lot of the material is about very new CSS stuff, which is changing all the time, but I'm researching that anyway. So I kind of just update it as it changes. Um, and then there's a Slack group, but that tends to be fairly quiet. You know, people as they're working through the material might get stuck or might have an idea or might have a question or want to know if they could do this or that but but so that sort of every now and again someone will hop in there and have a question but as i say i'm answering those sort of questions anyway a lot of the time for people um mm -hmm. you know people email me stuff or you know ask me stuff on twitter or whatever so i'm always happy to chat about interesting css things that's that's not a problem so it's mostly you answering uh questions in slack or is it yeah other yeah answering other members Sometimes, they, yeah, there's, there's, now they're getting more people in there, you get people actually having a discussion together. But typically, it's people just want to ask me something about, about the stuff they've covered. So. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so back to Perch. You say Perch is what you're spending most of your time on today, right? So um, how much time is that? Um, that's a lot of time. We still do all the support for it. So, <laughs> um, I've spent a day moving all our documentation from one format to another because we're, we're sort of relaunching the docs and tidying them up. Um, there are hundreds and hundreds of documentation pages for Perch. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot of work. Um, we, we'd like to get in a position where we can hire someone else, um, to do some of this stuff because, 
own so uh, Drew, who's my husband and business partner, he kind of owns Perch Core and he does most of the actual PHP development on the product itself. Okay. I do all the DevOps. I do a lot of the writing of stuff, um, so documentation and things, videos and stuff I do. Uh, we both do support. I do all of the business-related stuff, so all of the, you know, getting the accounts ready for the accountant and make sure the books are kept up to date and I do all the legal stuff and all the ridiculous bits of paper that come from the government um i deal with all that so that's kind of how we split it up so i tend not to actually work on the core of the product i sort of work on everything all the way around that and all the other stuff that, that you have to deal with what's it like working with your husband <laughs> we're just used to it <laughs> yeah everyone asks but no it, it's fine i mean uh yeah I mean, I, I'm, I, I travel quite a lot, which probably helps. Um, but, but no, we've been working together since I don't know, 2006, I think he joined the company. It was around then. So, because uh, uh, he was working for, for Yahoo, um, and, but was already doing bits and pieces because I was just getting way too much work. And so he was then helping me out. Uh, we, I mean, at the time, had a very, very similar skill set. Now we've sort of diverged a bit in the stuff we concentrate on. But, um, yeah, it, it sort of made sense that he worked with me. So that's what happened. And um, yeah. And does he also do, uh, is he also kind of like a public figure speaking and writing and stuff, or that's mostly just you? He used to do more than he does now. Um, I tend to do more speaking these days. I don't know. It's just kind of how it's worked out. Um, and so, yeah, but you know, he, he was doing speaking really before I was, um, and has also written a book and, um, yeah, I mean, we, we, we're we both Web Summers project members um, sort of together. So, yeah, we, we've both been involved with this kind of stuff for a long time. Power couple. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Uh, so I want to jump to a question we have here from Adir. And Adir asks, uh, what tips would you give someone who's making his first steps in creating a side project? Keep it small. Start with the smallest possible thing you can actually start with. Um, I mean, the first version of Perch was tiny. It really was just a content editor. Um, it was missing so many of the features that you'd think a CMS should have, but it was fine because it was what we kind of marked it as. Uh, so, you know, if you start with something small, you can always see then what your customers actually want. Um, and, and the things that we first added to Perch were different to what we thought it needed. Um, really? You know, we were right. We were right about some things, um, but there were other things. I mean, we we never ever imagined that Perch would end up being really a fully fledged CMS. We've got two versions. We've got a, a bigger framework version of Perch. We've got the e-commerce stuff. I mean, all of that was never on the road, any roadmap, or in just nothing we'd ever even thought of. Uh, but it, you know, it started the the core of Perch that we shipped, uh, the sort of version one, um, really took us about four weekends to put together. It was tiny. Uh, it's very, very little thing. Um, and if you do that, you've not invested a huge amount of your time. If it doesn't work or you need to change what you're doing, um, you've not sort of spent a huge amount of time. Um, and it's not like this big deal, you know, like, oh, you've built it up into this big thing and then it falls flat. It's like, okay, so that didn't work so, out and you can move on to the next thing. Cool, cool. So you said it was just four weekends. You were working full time and just on the weekends mm -hmm. Yeah, we're just sort of putting it together, and and uh, yeah, and then probably about the same amount of time on the kind of other stuff that we need to say we had to build a, a way to sell it and so on. Um, but yeah, it, it really wasn't a huge amount of work, and it was. I mean, the other thing is it was something we needed, 
So, you know, even if no one had bought it as a standalone thing, we'd have been using it for our clients, uh, for those little projects nice. that I mentioned. So there was kind of no way we could have lost. We'd have either had it for, for us and, and, you know, and we did for, for a good while. Um, we were using it as well as, as selling it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of a win-win whatever happened really. We, we knew we wanted it and hoped other people might want it, but it kind of, it was okay, you know, whatever happened. I love this mentality. I like the win-win um, and not, you know, going all in anymore. I think uh, Sagi and I both experienced this a lot ourselves because we had we had two startups together. And when you work on a startup, it's kind of like you're going all in, you know, it's all about uh, raising investment, building this mm -hmm. product for kind of like this mythical audience that may or may not want it. Yeah. And just building, you know, hiring people, going bigger, bigger, bigger without that sure um, I don't know, validation, even if you do try to validate your product that someone really wants it and it's so cool what you're saying and I think it's really what we're trying to uh, teach now on the Side Project Accelerator that um, mm -hmm. you don't have to work this way. You can, you can like you said, have a win-win um, scenario with your side projects. Yeah, definitely. As it, you know, and I worked through the dot-com meltdown. I was working for dot-com companies which were like, you know, the startups of the 2000s. Um, and I knew I've, I've never wanted to run a company like that. I'm just not interested. I didn't want to work for companies like that anymore. I don't want to run one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So today, who besides you and your husband, who is there? Do you have other people working on Perch or other? Not, um, not full time. We, yeah, we use, we use contractors and, and neither of us are designers. So if we need design work doing, we we have people to do that. Um, usually very specific things. You know, we want some illustration doing, so we'll, we've you know, got an illustrator we use. Or we want some web design doing, so we'll find someone who can do that specific thing that we need doing. Um, and the sort of UI of, of, of the product. Um, so yeah, we tend to we tend to use contractors quite a bit. Um, as I say, I'd, I'd I'd really like to be in a position where we could hire another developer because we have so much stuff that we could build, um, <laughs> and uh, and it would be nice for Drew to have someone to work with when I'm traveling and things. Um, in terms of just you know, it, it's nice to have someone to bounce ideas off when you're developing something um, and sort of sort of play around with with ideas and stuff. And that's difficult if I'm sort of circling the globe at the time. Um, yeah. So yeah, it would be nice to have somebody else here for that. And for development, it's having someone full time is much better because you know there's so much knowledge that they learn about the product and how that works and how things, the specific way we do things. And if you're using contractors, you lose that every time you switch to a new contractor. So it's quite difficult. Cool. So is it um, is it yours like to is it to make more money so that you can hire someone or is it? something you're waiting for something else to do um yeah i mean it's 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 making sure we've got the money to sustain that role and sustain it long term um i tend mm -hmm. to be fairly cautious um and that's that's sort of my nature in business i um i like to like to make sure that, that if we're offering someone a job that that there's no there's no foreseeable problem there i mean obviously you can't know 100 percent that you're going to have the money for the next 10 years but at yeah. least that i've certainly that we're fine for at least the next year you know that's that has yeah. to that has to be okay for me because you know you it's people livelihoods and um you know I, I wouldn't want to be in a position where i was taking someone on without knowing that um so yeah but and because we are completely self-funded it if we make enough money from perch it goes back into perch really i mean you know and so mm. that that's that's really how it works 
Cool. Um, the, uh, sorry, can I interrupt? Can we, um, we have like the last questions. Mm -hmm. The last question about uh, what tips can you give someone who's making his first steps in creating a side project? And there's like the comment that Adir rephrased the question about someone starting his own blog. So he said like with side projects, you got to start small mm -hmm. um, and develop from there. And what about like a blog, like with someone who doesn't have yet the project uh, or his own needs that he wants to develop into a product, into a product. But what about like the blog when someone first start out, do you have any tips for them? Well, if you're intending to build up a community that you're hoping to sell something to, then even if you haven't got the, the product yet, you need to identify who you're going to be selling a product to. And then you can create material for those people. Um, so, I mean, if you, if you took purchase an example, if, if I was sort of starting over and, and um, didn't have this product, but knew I wanted to create a content management system, I wouldn't be writing about content management systems because actually web designers don't care about content management systems. What they really care about is um, being able to sell more websites, be able to develop things more quickly. Uh, they care about being able to make their clients happy. Um, they care about, you know, their CMS not destroying their front-end development. Um, they care, those are the things they're caring about. They're, you know, they might be caring about interesting front-end development topics or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that's the stuff I'd be writing about. And then also, you know, dropping in stuff about the product here and there or saying, oh, this is something that, that we're developing or maybe a little link to a landing page as I went further along. But it's identifying who your audience is and what they're interested in. Um, if you just talk about your potential product, you'll probably not get anyone reading it because nobody cares. But if yeah. you can give people advice on the things they care about that happen to lead into the product that you're going to have ultimately, um, that's how you build an audience. Okay. And how does that connect with the, let's say your passions, or if you have like maybe your audience or you want to build products for a specific audience, but you wouldn't have fun uh, blogging so much about that or don't you don't have enough value to give on that subject so how would you suggest to go about that I, I i would very much suggest if you're doing a side project you should do it for an audience that you really like because there's going to be you having to talk to them um if if you've kind of got an idea for a product and it's like i don't really like these people or i don't have any connection with them then you've kind of got to wonder if that's something that's worth you doing as a side project um because it's going to be you doing it so you know um <laughs> it's not like you're developing a product and you're going to get a team in who are going to do all your marketing and talk about it and things you know i see yeah. i you know I, I like helping web designers know more about say front-end development what have you so writing yeah. that stuff that's cool you know i enjoy doing it um i think if you're doing something that's way outside your own knowledge and field of influence that's going to be really hard as a side project because you're going to have to learn all that stuff as well and to sort of build up a, a, an audience who recognize that you know what you're talking about and that's going to be harder cool cool do you have any right. tips for when you're first starting though a lot of people and i know in the program and i've also felt this myself that um when you're writing about something you don't want to be you're afraid that you're like uh, am i qualified to talk about it do you have any tips for how to kind of present things in a way that or get over that fear of that I'm not qualified to talk about it. None of us are qualified for anything. Um, I, <laughs> I, I when I when I was asked to write my first uh, sort of couple of chapters of a book, uh, I was because I left school at 16 um, and went to do dance at college. So yeah. I've not really got any sensible qualifications. Um, I've got like a ballet teacher certificate. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's like you know. Um, 
so I've always felt a bit like, oh, you know, who am I to be telling anyone anything? But actually, when you look around at a lot of people who are uh, sort of helping other people out there on the internet, they haven't got qualifications for this. They, you know, it's just, have you learned something yourself? Has it been useful to you? And then you can share it. You know, you don't have to say this is the the only way to do this. You say this is the way I did this and it worked quite well. So I'm sharing it now. Um, and that's what I've, you know, I've always, you know, I, I do interesting stuff and then I'll share it. Um, and people can take that or leave it, really. Uh, it doesn't come with any special qualification behind it. And most things don't need to. Yeah, cool. All right, great. Um, wait. All right, so you want to jump? Uh, we have another question here about your in-person workshops. Mm -hmm. um, so, Suki, so you want to ask? Yeah, that's actually my question. Um, <laughs> I posted some questions that people ask me and some questions that mine actually. So um, I thought I think you already you talked about that uh, before. But like my question was like, how do you market your in-person workshops? Because I had a couple opportunities. Like companies reached out to me because I know I know Sketch um, and I wrote about it. So I kind of I'm like kind of the first one in Israel to write about moving to Sketch from Photoshop. And and then like only two years later, companies now are waking up and moving to Sketch and they're coming to me and they're like, okay, we see you wrote about it now, can you give us a workshop? So that's great and I would love to get the, those opportunities. But um, I'm, I was wondering, like, do you market your in-person workshops to companies that you would like to go there and, and do that or do you not even deal with that? Because I find myself on one hand, I don't even have time to go and market this because, you know, I mean, we're working so, so hard on so many other things. Um, but on the other hand, I would love to give some more in-person workshops for companies. Um, yeah, I mean, mostly I end up doing them. And where they seem to work best is when they're uh, sort of alongside a conference um, because you'll find that people will be happy to sort of pay for a workshop, like a, a sort of a ticket that includes a workshop more than they'll yeah. go to a standalone workshop. So most of the stuff I do will tend to be um, linked to a conference. So, and, and either people, you know, get a conference ticket that includes the workshop um, or, you know, they're coming along anyway and so they'll, they'll do it as well. And they, they seem to work the best. I can imagine that probably work quite well for Sketch as well, mm. you know, just sort of thing that people going to a, a conference might like to spend a day then really learning how to use that. Yeah. Um, so, and, and generally conference organizers are quite interested in doing workshops. Um, you know, because I think it's they'll sort of have them the day before or the day after, and people are already there. And I think it's a much easier sell for someone um, to say to, like, their boss, oh, I'm going to go to this conference and do this workshop as well, and these are the things I'm going to learn. Okay, cool. Um, so, you, so you approach conferences or, like? Yeah, I mean, it, it's say, where I, where I can, because it really needs to be the UK and, and Europe unless uh, people are willing to do the whole visa thing with me for, because yeah. actually, you know, running workshops like in the States. I mean, it was fine in Australia. There was a sort of specific visa for it, and it was sort of easy to sort out. Um, but, yeah, you have to you have to check if, you, if you're going outside of your own country um, that you've got the right visas and things, because obviously with a workshop, you know, you're actually earning money doing that, and that, that can be a problem. Mm. Um but yeah, I'll, I'll mention it to conference. I say, oh, you know, would you be interested in doing a workshop? Because it, it's a way to make money. You don't earn a lot of money conference speaking. Um, but whereas the workshops, you can actually make make a reasonable amount of money to cover your expenses and things there. Okay, cool. Sounds great. It's actually a very good tip because I never thought of that direction to just like 
talk to people who do conferences mm. and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, because they've already got the setup. You know, they've already got usually you know the hotel or whatever where they're running it. So it's a kind of an easier way for them to to do a workshop. All right. Cool. Great. Thanks. All right. Um, I did get another question. Yeah. Yes. Uh, your blog talks a lot about uh, about a lot of different subjects. So how do you find the balance between the subjects that interest you and the ones your readers are interested in? Are there things that you want to write about that you don't? Um, I don't write about things that are going to cause an army of trolls to come and chase me down because I can't be bothered to deal with it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it used to be more of a personal site. It's become more of a work site, but I, I wouldn't not post a personal thing. It's more just that I don't tend to write about that stuff really. Um, you know, I, I, it's not that I'm secretive. It's just that I don't think it's particularly interesting. I sort of write about the stuff that, that is interesting, um, which tends to be the stuff I'm doing on the web or whatever. So that that's it. Um, yeah, you've got to be careful what you write about. I ended up writing about VAT, the tax in the UK, um, because I figured out something about it that the accountants hadn't. And so I wrote about it thinking to sort of alert other people. <laughs> And now I get like every day I get several people emailing me with like complicated tax questions. And I'm like, I'm a web developer. I'm like, you want an accountant? <laughs> so it's like, yeah. So you've got to be careful what you write about because because my blog's so well indexed by Google. I mean, it's been around for a long time, and you know I write reasonable content. Um, of course, I'm coming up for all these searches about VAT. Um, and so, like now, the world thinks that I should answer their questions about VAT. So, yeah, I've got like a standard, a standard reply in my mail clients. I think, yeah, don't don't ask you don't ask your accountant about web development, and don't ask me about tax. <laughs> yeah. So yes. All right. So you say stay professional, like in your kind of field. Yeah, I, mean, I, I you know, I, I. I try and it, it is my site and there is definitely the stuff that I'll post obviously that has a stronger point of view or whatever, because it's my site that maybe I wouldn't post on like a list apart or smashing or somewhere. If I was writing an article for somebody else, mm. um, you know, you can be a bit more scrappy on your own site. You can just sort of post things cause it's kind of what you think as opposed to researching it and, 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 and posting something that's, you know, really, really well researched because it's going out on somebody else's site or you've been paid for it or whatever. But mm. um, but generally, yeah, it is it is more about the stuff that I do online these days rather than anything else. Okay. But, but one thing, you do talk about uh, fitness, right? Mm -hmm. You talk a lot. Um, so can you get into that a little bit? Um, you're an athlete, you're running marathons, and you write about it as well, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's... I write about that stuff. I think in that I think it's important that people do look after themselves as well as, you know, write great code and run businesses and what have you. I think it's very easy for people to forget to then take care of themselves and their fitness and what they're eating and and so on. You know, it's really easy just to end up, you know, be hunched over the computer for eighteen hours. And I do that as well. But um, <laughs> but yes, that's why I think I'm keen to share that side of things with people. Um, and it's it's really cool when I see someone saying, oh, you know, I've just started doing the 5K or whatever. And, you know, seeing you going out for runs at conferences has, has been something that, that has made them interested. Um, I'm always trying to drag people along with me at conferences, but then you know, it's, it's, not, it's not, not an easy battle. <laughs> do you run on a daily basis now? Yeah, I run most days. I do something, yeah. So, What's um, your, like, usual run? Uh, 
about six miles ish during on a weekday. I'll just you know I'll go. Out. I I I live in Bristol, which is really pretty, and we've got a nice harbour. I just I've got a sort of six mile loop around the harbour. I listen to a podcast and run around there. <laughs> nice. What podcast do you listen to? Um. Oh. Yeah, all all sorts of things. Um, I like startups to the rest of us. Um, I think they they, they do startups to the rest of us. They do quite a good job of just yeah talking about bootstrap startups and things. Right. Um, that's quite a fun one. Um, various um web stuff. Um, I quite like Code Pen Radio. They write about kind of running Code Pen. Um, as well, you know, it's sort of. They bring up some of the sort of things about running the actual business that is CodePen. It's not just technical stuff, and I find that quite interesting. Nice. That's um, Chris Corey, right? Yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I really like the Tim Ferriss podcast just because I think he interviews such interesting people, and they're really long-form interviews. Like, they'll go on for, like, two hours talking to someone. Cool. Um, and, and they're unusual people he talks to as well, not just the, the normal people who show up on every podcast. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, by the way, do you know the Pat Flynn SPI? Oh yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard. Yeah, I've heard a few of his as well. Yeah. Yeah, David and I like are kind of like, we really love his podcast as well. Okay. Uh, how else are you consuming content? Do you read a lot? Do you uh, listen to audiobooks or? Yeah, I I read a lot when I'm on planes. I read loads. I take the Kindle. Um, so that yeah. That, I read very, very quickly, and I've got a good memory for stuff that I've, I've read. I'm not much of a video watcher. Um, that's Yeah, I'd, I'd prefer to read stuff I, or listen to it when I'm running, you know, doing something else. But so I tend not to watch videos. Any good books that you read lately? Um, what have I been reading lately? Um, I, I can't think of the name of it, but I read a fascinating book written by an airline pilot who just wrote, just writes about, the business of travel so interesting there i'll have to dig up the link for that because that was a really yeah. interesting book i was i was reading it mainly during like takeoffs and landing you know before you were allowed to get your laptop out on the plane because <laughs> i work yeah. on planes I, i'll just sit and work for the entire flight um but while you're kind of trapped and you can't get anything out and you're allowed to now use your your phone or your kindle or whatever so i was reading this this book by this pilot during the takeoffs and landings because, uh, <laughs> i spend a lot of time on planes <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know how you do it. It's so hard for me to work on a plane. I get on the flight and I'm just like passing out immediately, waking up on um, my land. No, yeah, I can't sleep on them so much I work. <laughs> yeah. David and I right now in San Francisco, we just had like a 15-hour flight and we're both like, <laughs> no, no, they are passing out or you don't have enough energy to work, so we kind of like watch movies and stuff, but... <laughs> No, uh, no, no. I'm, I'm on the plane. As soon as, as soon as that, that light goes out, I've got my, I've got my laptop and I'm working. I'll, I'll. It's ten hours from here to San Francisco, and I'll, I will do like nine and a half hours of work. Wow. <laughs> cool. All right, um, we got so one more question. Oh, you want to ask? No, wait. That's that's my question that I asked before. Oh, no. Yeah, but I have another question. So you have a cool thing on your site. You do like uh, uh, things that can be hired to do, and put on. Uh, you say I have a limited amount of time for external projects, and uh, currently I'd be interested in projects in the following areas. So you're writing consultancy and then developing CSS for print in bold. So I'm curious. Yes. Why, why CSS for print? Because <laughs> it's really interesting. There's uh, there's a bunch of CSS specs that deal with um, print. The sort of print like 
producing CSS for uh, like PDF output or print output. And I recently did um, SitePoint's books, moved their process so they can use HTML and CSS to print their books. Um, it's really interesting. So, <laughs> so I like do, I just like doing it. It's something that I will be happy to be hired to do because it's fun. It's an interesting stuff. You can do things like you can do all your um, footnotes and all sorts of stuff um, directly from CSS. So it's pretty cool. 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 So you're doing actually full <laughs> book page layout, basically yeah. like in InDesign style work, but yep. in HTML, CSS. Yeah, in, in, in CSS, those specifications. A, a lot of the publishers now are moving over to using CSS for their books. Um, well, I, I, it was because of the self-publishing books that I figured out that you could do this because I can't use InDesign. I know nothing about these things, but I know CSS. So. <laughs> really? Nice. Okay, wow. Wait, so you were, you were working on something for your own book or for – yeah, I, I, I self-published a couple of books and it just in the process of working out how to create, you know, all the different formats to get my, you know, Kindle, Moby and, and EPUB and stuff. There's something on my blog and I've, I've written for Smashing Mag as well about doing the print CSS stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting and it's, it's where a lot of the publishers are going anyway because obviously you can do quick updates and then regenerate the whole thing really easily if it's all just CSS. Cool. Wait, so have you been hired already to do something like this? Yeah, so I, did, I, did site, I did site point stuff, yeah. That, that was a hired project? Yeah. Because I'm really interested in the fact that you said, like, here's an area that I'm interested in. Okay, who wants to hire me to do it? Yeah. And that was well, I don't, yeah. Well, I, I don't have a huge amount of time to do stuff anymore, and I'm not particularly interested in just building someone's um, – front-end stuff for their website because that's not that interesting um so, so if i'm going to do kind of consultancy it needs to be something that i think is quite interesting or that I, I know i've got very specific knowledge in which i do with the the book stuff um you know likewise i'd be willing to look at something that was very interesting around very new layout methods because that's something i'm very interested in um mm -hmm. you know there are certain things that i think that i'm one of the best people to do where there's lots of things that like pretty much anyone could be doing. Um, and I'd rather do the things that, that really I've got specialist knowledge in because at, at this point, that's what's most interesting, really. Cool. It sounds like you have a really good uh, handle over your time and how much it's, it's uh, worth as far as how much of your time should be invested in something that you're passionate about versus just making money. Yeah, well, it, you know, th there's so much stuff that you can be doing. Um, and it's very easy just to sort of, particularly with consultancy, if you're trying to have a, if you've got a product that you really should be investing most of your time in, like we are with Perch, um, mm -hmm. it'd be very easy for me to take on bits and bobs of consultancy work. And yes, they'd make money, but it's better for me to put that time into Perch generally. So if I'm going to do consultancy, it needs to be something that's also kind of interesting or sort of personally satisfying or where I maybe can learn something new. Um, uh, actually you know use use some stuff that is very very new and hasn't really been used much before or, or what have you that that's probably what, what i'm more likely to do than just say oh yes i'll build your website sort of thing because that's not particularly useful to me or anybody else um that they could find anyone to do that so cool so how, how much time do you still spend today doing a consultancy not a huge amount it'll be it'll, it'll be sort of odd projects here and there um, that I think are particularly interesting. It's obviously, it's, it's, it do get a chunk of money doing that sort of stuff, which we can then invest back into the perch, you know, use for, for something. And we, you know, want to get sort of outsourced and put out there. It's a reasonable way if, you, if you're in that situation where your product makes enough to be self-sustaining 
and to pay you but you don't have the kind of extra money for like a big project that you want to put a load of money into doing a bit of consultancy can be quite a good way to to put some money back into the product um oh, you know cool. that's 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 really what self-funding your stuff's about you know you, you you make money so you can put it into the into the products where hopefully it's going to give you a bigger return um and that's and that's pretty much how we've always worked Cool. So I guess over time, that amount of the ratio between consultancy and purchase uh, really uh, increased in, in oh, over time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when we started, we were like 100% consultancy, and and perch was like a yeah evenings and weekends. And it took I don't know about three years or so for us to be full time on perch. Um, you know, as I say, and and now the other things that I do are they're very much the side projects now. You know, it, it's. The, the consultancy or going and speaking at conferences or running a workshop, they're the side projects to, to Perch, which is our main, Perch is the day job, really. I feel like there's something, a magic number there, about three years of side projects. That was, that's about exactly the same amount of time that uh, Sagi and I started hacking UI as a side project. And after mm -hmm. three years of, you know, nights and weekends only working on it, uh, then we did it full time after three years. Yeah, so, it, it was, it was really yeah. tough at the point at which we were, kind of 50 50 so we were spending about two and a half days a week you know doing client stuff and the other half we were doing all the support and everything for perch that was really hard because we so much wanted to like put the time into perch and build stuff but we couldn't afford to and we had to do the client work and that was pulling us away and it was just horrible <laughs> so yeah 100 percent relate i think we we're yeah. in the exact same position yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. it is reasonably tough i think yeah. mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, so what was the point for you when you said, or was it, was it based on the amount of money or just the passion? Or what was the point where you said like, okay, it's not 50, 50 anymore. It's now, this is our main thing. We're doing it full time. Um, it was when, it was really when we could afford to do it, you know, cause, cause, cause we're a couple. Um, and, um, my, my daughter was in school at the time. She's, she's got another year to go, but I've been paying very expensive school fees for her for <laughs> forever. So there was kind of a limited amount that we could reduce our outgoings um, in order to be able to go full time. Because obviously if you can live very cheaply, you can go full time an awful lot more quickly. Um, with a teenager in school where I had to pay her school fees, uh, she's training to be a dancer, so uh, which is not cheap. Uh -oh. um, <laughs> so, so, there was a limited amount and you know my biggest expense really was was her fees um and that wasn't going anywhere so we weren't able to reduce our outgoings and i mean that's typically been the issue because i've always i've always had my daughter when i've been working in the industry so i've never been able to be this person who you know lives in a tiny little flat with nothing or goes full-on digital nomad or whatever because i've you know i've had that responsibility um so you know it had it had to make enough money to pay the bills basically before we could do it mm -hmm. and do you have any tips uh to kind of manage your time and and i guess you all right so you want to make more money right with the side project and the first instinct of everyone is okay so let's work harder on it let's put more time into it but, but do you have any tips of not like going overboard and still having time for your family and still having time to i don't know run do the other things that you love um yeah, I, I'm just very organized with stuff. Um, I I think that it's very easy to waste a huge amount of time, especially if you're switching between, say, client work and a product. Um, you can waste a huge amount of time ramping up to each. Like if you haven't got your development environments well set up for both things um, or, you know, whatever it is, you haven't got a to-do list of the stuff that you're going to do when you're going to make time for your product. So 
if say you've only got one day a week to work on your thing, you need to make sure that you know exactly what you're going to do in that day. So that when mm. you start, it's not like, oh, what, what am I going to do? And then you sort of figure out what you're going to do. And then you start doing a bit of research. And then before you know, it's lunchtime um, and you've not actually done anything. So I always make sure I've got the, the so I, I work with sort of getting things done is, is pretty much how I, how I work. That's, and I have OmniFocus has everything in it. So if, if I'm switching to something, I know exactly what the next task is and I can straight away hit the ground running with that. Um, what was that do it. OmniFocus? OmniFocus, um, which is a sort of to-do list app, a fairly complicated to-do list app, um, which works very well for that kind of getting things done methodology, which is what I do. So. Oh, no. Oh, no. You just, uh, there goes the next week of Siggy's time. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> OmniFocus is wonderful. Um, but it does take a bit of time to get to get into, I think. It's a reasonably complicated one. But, um, yeah, so uh, I have. I have. I have yeah, I have lists. I have lists and lists and lists of stuff for everything. So I have, yeah, I have about 50 ongoing projects um, in OmniFocus at any one time. So everything that's got multiple oh. steps is a project. And I always have whatever the next thing for that project is sort of surfaced so that I can switch to it and just do it. And I have things set up as context. So like I'll have a context which is um, offline. So if I'm on a plane that doesn't have Wi-Fi, I've got a list of things I can be doing. I don't need to be on the internet to do. Um, so I can just get through them. Um, I have a list which is brain dead, which is for when I'm like really tired or not very well or jet lagged. And they're like, like grunt work tasks that don't take any effort, really. You don't have to think about them. You just need to do them. So you can switch to that and do those things, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how I, how I work. Very cool. I, I love the context idea. I need mm. that. Too. So do you have a, okay. So can you walk us through like your day? Are you scheduling like in the morning is I'm going to get the most, uh, let's say the opposite brain dead task done. And then yeah. <laughs> you know, after lunch is when I do this or how does, how does your day work? And um, it really depends. I mean, I like to batch stuff up. I think I, you know, I get more done if I can really tackle a whole load of stuff at once. I mean, like, you know, I've reformatted about 150, documentation pages today which is very exciting but you know sort of if, if i've got a something which is just there all laid out in front of me and just he's doing i can plow through it and i like that so i try and batch things up so they're similar things together but yeah i mean every day is different and then we, we you know we have all the support to do so you can end up being sidelined quite a bit if support is just really busy um it can be you know from day to day you know we can have a day where we only get four people posting support we're gonna the next day you know 200 could it's really difficult mm -hmm. to know um so that's why the sort of the the getting things done approach works quite well because it, they're not so much scheduled they're just the next thing for that project so i know i need to get through a certain project i need to get a conference talk written for example and i've got an hour well i can go and outline that talk in that hour and then the next action will be to you know to start to to fill out some of the sections of the talk or whatever um so yeah because my days are so so broken up by various things that happen, um, you know, as I say, a, a, a server can uh, decide to fall over. I do all of our DevOps stuff, so you know, if there's a problem with the server, well, then I'm, I have to drop everything to go deal with that. Which is always when I've just like landed somewhere in a plane and I'm really jet lagged. You can guarantee <laughs> that some server will just stop working. They'll be fine, like for weeks <laughs> until I get off a flight, and then you know, there's like all these alerts. I'm like, no. <laughs> 
It's like they uh, know. Yeah. What do, uh, if I can ask, what do you use for your uh, server and your kind of infrastructure for Perch? Um, so there, we've got a whole bunch of boxes that are all now running Ubuntu, um, and because uh, we're, we're, we're PH, purchased PHP and MySQL, but that's itself hosted. So, um, but all of our all of the stuff we write is in PHP because that's what we tend to write. So we use that behind the scenes for things like our forum and the activation and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I use Puppet to provision boxes. So, um, so yeah. So if if something does fall over, I can just spin up another one and and off we go. Um, but it's really it's all like on, it's on Amazon or it's these are your own servers? No, they're they're with a company called Memset in the UK because uh, that's where we are. Um, so they're essentially uh, VPS machines, but fairly high powered VPS machines. Um, okay. Yeah. So yeah, they're fa they're fairly standard. Um, uh, but yeah, they they don't cause me too much trouble. But <laughs> only after flights <laughs> or mid yeah, only after flights. <laughs> so they know they know. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Uh, well, we're actually we're a few minutes over an hour here already, so don't want to keep you too much longer. But um, do you want to kind of anything you want to leave us with, or anything you want to uh, give to the group? Kind of last uh, points that they should take into consideration. Well, I think sort of for me, it's, it's do the things that you do enjoy doing. If you're doing something as a side project, do something that you like doing for an audience who you like because it's actually quite a lot of hard work um, and it's going to seem far worse if you're just kind of doing it for the money if you're just doing it because you hope it's going to make you money that's going to be really hard work because actually it takes a long time for these things to make you money so you might as well be having fun while you're getting to that point um, and as I say you know we're still doing all of our own support we're still hands-on having to do everything after seven years uh, and we're still enjoying it thankfully um, and we wouldn't be if we didn't like the audience, we didn't like the stuff we were doing. It would just be, it would be horrendous. So I think my biggest tip would be to make sure you're doing something that you actually do enjoy for people who you like spending time with because you're going to spend a lot of time with them. Cool. Wow, thank you very much. This was really insightful. Great. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No worries. I'm glad we got all the tech sorted. <laughs> yeah, and you got you got a chance to try out Crowdcast. So <laughs> now you may want to go go, with, uh, go, with, go to webinar or the webinar ninja. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Thank you so much, Rachel. Yeah. And uh, yeah. have a good rest of the day. Thanks a lot. Okay, thank you. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Bye. bye.